Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. President Donald Trump is feuding with his intelligence agencies again. This time, it's because of a really interesting report that the intel community issued publicly, one that basically cut the president's legs out from under him on a lot of really important foreign policy issues. This is Worldly from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Zach Beecham, here as always with Jen Williams and Alex Ward. Hey. Hello. Okay, Alex, you read through the report, you wrote about it for the site. Talk to me about what it is and why it's important. Sure. So just quick background. This is an annual intelligence report that America's government agencies put together to basically say, here's how we believe the world is going, acting based on the data that they've collected. What they basically found out was that Trump's foreign policy choices are just not based in reality, right? So there's five controversial points that they made. The first one goes against Trump's statement that ISIS is defeated. We have won against ISIS. What the intelligence community found is that ISIS is not defeated, and in fact, there are thousands of fighters still in Iraq and Syria, let alone in other networks where they are around the world. Right. So the second thing is that Trump has been saying, you know, over and over that North Korea isn't a nuclear threat, that he believes that Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, is going to abide by this supposed deal to denuclearize. We have a, you know, the start of an amazing deal. We're going to denuke. North Korea, it's going to start immediately. Turns out the intelligence community assessment says, nope, they'll probably never agree to give up all of their nuclear weapons. They see them as vital to their survival. That's never going to happen. This surprises nobody who has been paying attention except for the president. Apparently. Now, the third thing that that was really important in the report is its discussion of the 2016 election in Russia. It says Russia interfered in the election and that they are planning to do it again in 2020. And the president still is like wishy-washy on whether or not Russia intervened. I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. He's confused, but the intel report is really clear on what's happening. Absolutely clear. Yeah. Another point is that Trump has repeatedly said that climate change is a hoax. You'd have to show me the scientists because they have a very big political agenda, Leslie. I can't bring them in. Scientists also have a political agenda. This week, he said, like— It's cold, therefore global warming isn't a thing. God damn it. (laughs) That, yeah. Anyway, I can't even go beyond that. surprise, surprise, the intelligence community assessment— Pretty much says uh, not only is environmental degradation and climate change actually real, but it is also a threat, and the U.S. will have to contend with its effects for years to come. Right. And then finally, like one of perhaps the biggest thing that Trump has said over and over again, even before he was president, the Iran deal, you know, was the worst deal we've ever made. In theory, the so-called Iran deal was supposed to protect the United States and our allies from the lunacy of an Iranian nuclear bomb. Being in that deal, staying in this deal would have led Iran to develop nuclear weapons like super quickly. In fact, the deal allowed Iran to continue enriching uranium and, over time, reach the brink 
of a nuclear breakout. Wrong reality. The report says that actually pulling out of the Iran deal basically made nuclearization more likely. Yeah, that's that I think is the key point, right? Because this is the one that really seemed to set Trump off. It's saying not only as a matter of fact— it was Iran abiding by the terms of the nuclear deal, which everybody basically right. knew. It straight up said yeah. they are not currently trying to pursue a nuclear weapon. And and again, it indicted Trump's policy by right. saying that the only way that they would pursue a nuclear weapon is if they didn't get the benefits that would accrue to them from the Iran deal. Right. That is to say sanctions relief. And Trump is trying to reimpose sanctions on Iran. So that one is a straight up shot at his policy. Like it's barely veiled. So this is what really set Trump off. He... He goes after the intelligence community in this tweet storm. He makes some arguments about Iran that are somewhat misleading and not really worth going into because they're misleading and confusing and not really grounded in reality. But the tone of the tweets is is shockingly aggressive. At the end of them, he says, perhaps intelligence should go back to school, end quote. Like, it's, it's really, really aggressive. I'm saying this not to be dismissive, but because the whole thrust of this report is to establish like a shared baseline for what the the world looks like and what our foreign policy concerns should be, uh, and to generally give like an overview of how things are working. Right. Like, just so we were clear, this report is not a couple intelligence community leaders. It's not like CIA director and like a couple other people got in a room and just decided, this is what we think. This is literally supposed to represent the consensus view of nearly a dozen agencies, the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, all of these intel agencies that do all these different things about looking at the world, collecting intelligence, they come together and put this comprehensive picture of the world out. They probably know what they're talking about. Well, but and it's supposed to be like non-controversial and non-partisan in terms of what the assessments are. Like they're not weighing in on the really hard, hard questions about foreign policy or what the U.S. should do or like difficult stuff about, you know, internal Chinese politics or something like that, right? Like this is supposed to be the basics that informing the public, informing Congress as to how the world works. And just listing the basics makes the president look bad. And I I just find that really striking. Right. So let's, I want to actually kind of drill down into this and talk about the big picture here, like what this report should mean, what it doesn't mean, and like why it's problematic the way Trump is handling this. You have to understand first what the intelligence community's job is and is not. The intelligence community's job is not to dictate policy. They are not supposed to give policy recommendations. That is the job of, well, policymakers, people like Donald Trump. Their job is to basically go around the world doing really dangerous stuff, trying to get little nuggets of information, and they try to put that all together so that they can provide the policymakers, right, the people who actually make these decisions with the absolute best possible picture of the world that they can come up with, right, like the most accurate, up-to-date intelligence so that the people who are making these big decisions know the facts on the ground, and can make informed decisions, right? So that's what this is supposed to be. But at the end of the day, as you mentioned, the president is well within his rights to choose the policy that he wants. He can ignore the intelligence. Exactly. All he wants. For example, 2011, a lot of the intelligence community was telling Obama, like, we're not sure that Osama bin Laden is in Abbottabad. It's, you know, there were some that were very sure, some that weren't. And, like, at the end of the day, he took all that in, and then he made his choice. The way this is supposed to work is that The intelligence community put out this big report. The president is supposed to read this information, listen to this information, 
and then go about making his decision. He's, like you said earlier, he's well within his rights to completely disregard that info and say, look, thank you for all of that information. I still think that X policy, right? I still think that pulling out of the Iran deal is the smartest policy decision right now. That's fine. The problem is he has to explain to the American people to whom he is accountable why he still thinks in the face of all of that contradicting information, this is still the correct policy move. That is his job. And that is our job as, you know, journalists and just American citizens to demand that of our leaders, right? That's the problem here. That's why it's so disturbing that he is just not actually saying, yes, this is correct information. Thank you. But here's why I think I'm still going to do this. Instead, he's like, this is all just bullshit. They're, the intelligence people are wrong. They need to go back to school. He's literally straight up lying instead of doing his job well, I, I and don't explaining his decision. Fake news intelligence, basically. Basically. Okay, so what I don't know, and none of us knows what's in his head, but I kind of believe that he trusts his gut more than anybody. I'm not sure he's lying. I think in his head, he's right. They are wrong. He's criticized uh, spies for a long time. Right. He once basically called them Nazis because there were leaks coming from the intelligence community about the Russia investigation. This could be backpedaling, but we've also heard time and time and time again from intelligence officials saying, we tell him things and he doesn't believe us. Like, he lives in a different world, quite literally. Yeah, look, I don't want to get caught up in trying to mind-read the president because none of us can do it. Right. From the outside, it doesn't matter which of the two mechanisms is correct. The point is the same. We get to the same output no matter what. That There is currently a break in the system, in the way that it's supposed to operate. The system, that is to say, the relationship between the president and the intelligence community, right? The intel community is supposed to inform policy. Right now, it's not doing that. It really seems like the president gets his information about the world more from television than from the actual people who are, as Jen loves to say, risking their lives and, and doing a lot of dangerous stuff in order to do this. Right. And Again, going back to what we, we started off with, right, this isn't like just on Iran. This isn't just one thing that he happens to disagree with the intelligence. This We listed five really huge major policy decisions from North Korea, maybe not even being willing to give up their nukes, right, to climate change, to the Russians interfering in our elections. Like time and time again, decision after decision after decision, he is completely ignoring factual reality and in choosing instead to live out his fantasy dream policy that is completely disconnected from anything that is actually happening in the world. So can I try to put some good news into the, all this? Yes, please. Yes, Because yes, I am good. really depressed right okay. now. So we've seen throughout history that when presidents have a certain worldview that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes the intelligence community bends to the president's will, right? That they will basically make, not make intelligence up, but they will show intelligence that supports the president's view. Cough, cough, Iraq, cough, cough. Some have said, right? <laughs> right. Just to be clear, it's more that like through the process up the chain of command, Correct. right? Like the yeah. intel analysts collect all this stuff and then the senior officials who get to brief the president kind of, I'm going to just only talk about this one piece right. and not this other piece. So what this report demonstrated, and I think, again, the bright spot is they are holding firm despite Trump's pressure, right? Despite what Trump is tweeting and saying, they are coming out and speaking the truth, knowing full well that they knew people like us would write, look at the break between the intelligence community and Trump, and that maybe Trump is wrong. And still, they are saying, Iran's not going after nuclear weapon. North Korea won't give one up. Climate change is a thing. And that is actually a really healthy thing for, for the United States, that the intelligence community continues to speak truth to power regardless of what the power thinks. Now, 
there is the break after that point, right? But at least that's one bright spot that that we've learned this week. And absolutely, and I'll actually go one further. Just in case people are thinking, like, that sure sounds like the deep state, right? Like, that the intelligence community is actively trying to work against the president. When you read the report, and I encourage you to do so, it, it can be a little dry. But when you read it, it's also clear that they're not going out of their way to attack Trump. It, right. There's nothing like that. It is a very straightforward, here are the facts, here are the things. There's also plenty of stuff in there, even on Iran, where they do actually say things that coincide with what Trump has said about Iran, right? Like, that they are— they have been active in the region, that they sponsor terrorist groups in the region. Like, there's plenty of stuff like that. At no point do they say anything that's over the top. So this isn't the intelligence community trying to attack the president. This is them literally being professionals, doing the job that they swore to do to defend the Constitution, right, to provide the most accurate intelligence they can. And the fact that they are able to basically tune out the noise and the drama and the chaos from their president and just put their heads down, and do their jobs is pretty admirable. It, it is amazing that we've reached a point where speaking the truth is an act of defiance somehow. Yeah, it's also a weird reversal of the way that we've previously discussed the intelligence community, Definitely. which has been a threat to democracy, but that's not what's going on right now. Um, it's a super complicated topic. We're going to keep coming back to it in the future, but for now we're going to take a brief break, and then we're going to come back with some of your classic elsewhere topics that we know you guys love. Welcome back. Uh, we really enjoyed the music series and hearing your thoughts on it. Please keep them coming. But while we were doing that series, there were a lot of more classic elsewhere topics that we didn't really get to dig into because we were talking about music. So this week, we're going to do a quick roundup of three interesting things that we didn't get to talk about because uh, the other elsewhere topics. So the first one is in Russia, where the post offices have started selling, wait for it, beer. Right. The Russian post offices have literally started selling beer, like local village post offices. And it's not because they're just like super efficient and decided to like add another great feature to your awesome post office services. Uh, they're not. They're super dysfunctional. They actually originally did this because they just needed to make more money to help deliver the mail. But there's this other thing going on. It's also kind of a public service. What? A lot of people in Russia were not able to get access to liquor and vodka. President Putin, recognizing that a lot of people in Russia have serious problems with alcohol, there's a big issue with alcoholism in Russia, has basically, like, tried to cut down on access to liquor, has tried to launch a campaign against drinking. And so people are not able to get liquor as easily, and they're starting to do homebrew, bathtub gin. Awesome. Uh, moonshine. That's really dangerous. I don't know if people know that, but you can, like, go blind or even die because you're just making stuff, like, that's just completely not safe and you don't know how to mix chemicals and all kind of things like that. So the post office was basically like, look, we're going to sell beer. People can come here and, like, yeah, they can't get vodka, but they can get beer. They'll still be able to drink. We'll make some money. It's a great public service. Everyone wins. So basically now, if you feel like going to the local pub— you can just, like, take a right, go to the post office, pick up some stamps while you're there, maybe send a package. It may or may not arrive at its destination. That's an entirely different story. But you can definitely enjoy yourself and have a nice cold one. This is, a, like, a longstanding problem in Russia, right? My, my grandfather, whose town was occupied by the Soviets during World War II, he would tell a story to me about uh, the local, like, sort of, you know, knickknack store. Russian soldiers would line up outside the door when it was occupied to buy rubbing alcohol right. because they 
could not get access to to alcohol any other way. So it's a really serious and deep-rooted problem, though the idea of a post office selling beer is, to me, extremely funny. I hope USPS is listening. All right, so from Russia, we're going to go east to Japan, where there's a really fun story that I personally loved and lobbied for for elsewhere several times. And has literally been laughing about out loud in the newsroom for days. For a while. Okay, so a lot of Japanese towns have mascots. You know, big, like like what you see at a sporting event, but for the town to advertise tourists. Right, like people in costumes that look like cartoon characters. Right. And so this one town, originally their mascot was a real-life otter, like an actual... Animal. Yes. But then they made and designed a costume based on the otter called Chitan, and there's an unsanctioned one that's not officially associated with the town, not like, you know, the regular mascot, but this one went rogue, and has started doing weird stuff like what? on social media. Well, my favorite video is one where you see Chitan, right, this giant, cute, stuffed costume thing. Uh, it, it says, Chitan coming to your house, is the caption, and the video shows it in a locker room, opening the door... Uh, to a locker and pulling out a baseball bat <laughs> and then walking away. Okay, what the hell? So you're saying, just let me sure, make sure I still get this straight. So there's the real mascot and then there's like bizarro evil mascot version. Correct, like with a goatee like, in Star Trek. It's like Wario. Right, right like, like, <laughs> and he's literally making threatening videos on YouTube for whatever the fuck reason. Yeah, there's actually a New York Times article about this earlier this month, and they said there have been like over 100 complaints. <laughs> okay, so my just, question, like this crazy mascot. So my, if the entire point of these mascots is to like drive tourism to this town, I mean, I feel like the anti-mascot is kind of doing a really good it's job. It's like, now I definitely want to go to that town and maybe be vaguely threatened by a giant costumed character. Yeah, look, it's... <laughs> While some citizens may be threatened by this, it is a great publicity stunt for the town. There's there's no doubt about that. We're definitely taking a worldly vacation there. Okay, that's silly, but I'm going to try to top it. Go the, for it. <laughs> so the Netherlands has just bought a bunch of F-35 planes. Fighter jets from, from the from, U.S. From the United States, from Lockheed Martin. And these are usually boring affairs when they roll them out, like, please look at our plane. But the Dutch, being who they are, I guess, decided to take it up a notch. So the release party was in Fort Worth, Texas, but they turned it into like an Amsterdam rave. It's this entire scene where like there's strobe lights and like lasers and two DJs just like trying to pump the crowd up. The best part is that this crowd of like stuffy executives and military officials are like barely gyrating in the front row and like clapping along. Like the CEO of Lockheed Martin, Marilyn Houston, is like just clapping along to the music. It looks for all the world like you stepped into a club in Amsterdam at three in the morning, but it is an Air Force manufacturing plant at eight in the morning <laughs> in Texas. It's unbelievable. And it's- just so we're clear, there's no big takeaway for like why this matters. We just, uh, we had one of our listeners made a really great point that said, there are never any like good, happy stories on Worldly. Cover a lot of stuff in the world. A lot of that stuff happens to be like bad. And so we leave you with this fucking ridiculous 8 a.m. rave at the Lockheed Martin F-35 Dutch rollout. In Fort Worth, Texas, we celebrate the rollout of the Royal Netherlands Air Force's first operational F-35. Please welcome the arrival of the official party. Uh, I want to thank our producer, Bird Pinkerton. Absolutely. And thank you for just letting us cover this. Yes. Um, I, I want to thank all of you. Keep your emails coming at worldlyatvox.com. We really like them. We've gotten a lot of great ideas from them for future episodes that we're going to discuss amongst ourselves. 
And we want to encourage you to rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.